have a tough time making decisions. One person, two people, you guys are deciding whether or not you should put your hand up. Tough time. Right? Uh, it could be big things, it could be little things, but I think a lot of times we all struggle at making decisions. Um, this is a favorite example of mine. It's a personal example about, I, I was trying to decide where I was going to go to college. I was 18 years old, and I was deciding between the University of Kansas, or sorry, I wasn't deciding that, Kansas State University. Well, no, don't cheer for that. Hey, rock chalk. I know I'm a traitor. It's okay. And I was deciding between that and the University of Arkansas. And I was going back and forth in my mind. Like, I, I liked both the schools. They both had great pre-med programs. They both, I had equal scholarships to both. I liked the fraternity scene at both of them. I liked the sports at both of them. I thought it was going to be, either one of them was going to be a good school. So rather than like think critically, like you should, about where to decide where to go to college, I decided to stake my college future on a college football bowl game, which is very on brand for me. And K-State and Arkansas were actually playing each other that year in a bowl game. And so I thought, man, this is going to be great. I'm going to go to whatever school wins. And like that's going to be the place that I go. And so the game rolls around, I'm sitting in my parents' living room, I'm, I'm watching on their couch, and like Arkansas would pull ahead, and I'd be like, well, I guess God wants me to go to Arkansas. And then like K-State would like start doing well, and I'm like, I guess God wants me to go to K-State. And it was literally up and down the entire time. And so finally, Arkansas starts pulling ahead, and they really start to win the game. And the crazy thing was, when the clock hit zero, I started feeling this sinking feeling. Because I was like, man, I don't want to go to Arkansas. But God just gave me a sign, right? Like he just told me that I should go to Arkansas, but I don't want to. And so now I'm even more confused and I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I think that's a funny story, right? Like it's, it's clear that that's like just absurd. But I think unfortunately it's a very common experience as we're making big decisions. It's like, well, what do I actually do to base these decisions on? Because a lot of times I think we end up like looking for, for signs from God, however we can. And we think, like, man, if I can just, like, decipher enough things throughout the day, and, like, God is this mysterious, like, figure who's, like, putting clues on things, and I just have to, like, find the clues. And, like, if I can just find enough things throughout the day, then he'll show me what to do. And, like, you're, like, driving in the car, and, like, a love song comes on Spotify, and you're, like, you're right, I should ask her out. <laughs> yeah. And even though the place you chose was, like, romantic love songs. Or you're, like, trying to decide whether or not you should move to a different city. And, like, part of the mileage on your car ends up being the exact same as, like, the zip code of the city you want to move to. And you're like, that's crazy. That's crazy. Right? Like, that's crazy. I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to move. And we start, like, doing all these weird things. It's like, why, why, why am I basing my life off of my car mileage? Uh, it's, maybe you're not like that. Maybe you just have, like, a, a really... Like, you're like, no, I don't do that at all. But you make your decisions based off of feelings. And you're like, I don't know, man. I felt really good about investing my life savings in Dogecoin. Like, I felt, which did poorly, just so you guys know. I'm not, I don't really know much about cryptocurrency. So, uh, I just, I think it did poorly. But you're just like, man, but I felt good about it in the moment. And it didn't go well. And if you're honest with yourself, most of your big life decisions come just, of, just off of like, oh, how did I feel that day? And a lot of times, that's kind of what we do. We either look for these like crazy signs, 
or we make these like feelings-based decisions, or we just end up really confused and like kind of paralyzed by fear because there's so many options. It's like, how do I know that I'm making the right decision? And this is important because we make our, our biggest decisions that we'll make in our 20s. There's a clinical psychologist, Dr. Meg Jay, and, and she says that research shows that 80% of your major life decisions will be made by age 35. And so maybe that's five years from now, maybe that's 15 years from now for you. I don't know, but you are about to make 80% of your major life decisions, which some of you guys are freaking out at that, right? Because, like, if we're honest, we kind of want to have a plan for that. And I think if we're honest, like, maybe, maybe you don't believe in God, but maybe you just believe in some higher power. You're like, I want there to be some type of plan for my life. I want there to be some type of meaning. I don't know what to do, and I just, I want there to be a, a steady path that I should go on. But then also sometimes I'm like, but I also want to do like what I want to do. And so we kind of end up torn between those two different things. And ultimately just decisions can be really challenging. And, and all really this, this boils down to one big question that we're going to be looking at tonight. And that question is, what is God's will for my life? Or how do I know God's will for my life? So tonight we're going to be looking at how do we make decisions? Or how do you know God's will for your life? And my hope and prayer is that tonight you would walk away more confident in ever than ever. And it would release some of the stress and like the burden that those life decisions can bring because you're able to trust God. Not because there's some like magic formula that you need to do that I'm going to give you tonight, but because you're able to see, man, God cares about me and he has a plan for me and I can walk confidently in that and I know how to know what God's plan is for me. And you can actively follow that. And the crazy thing is you can know God's will for your life. We're talking about God's will tonight, like I mentioned, and so we kind of need to clarify, though, you can know God's will for your life, but there's two different aspects of God's will. There's his known will, and there's his unknown will. And we're going to talk about the difference of those different things, but we want to be able to walk with confidence, what has God told me, and then how do I walk in confidence in what God has not clearly stated yet. And we can do both of those things based off of what we learn in the Bible, and so tonight, I recognize there's a lot of people that you might not be familiar with the Bible. Uh, we believe that the Bible is the word of God. Uh, it is the most life-changing book that you could ever pick up. If you don't have one, I would encourage you to stop by the Connect table and grab one. Uh, tonight, we're going to be looking at a story in the Bible in Acts 1. So if you do have a copy of God's word, you can flip there. Pull it up on your phone, too. Uh, a little bit of background on the book of Acts. It was written by Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. He was a Greek doctor who was a follower of Jesus, and he writes down in the book of Acts basically the story of the early church, and how did it grow, and how did they start to take the name of Jesus outward. And so some context for the beginning of Acts in Acts 1, Jesus has just recently been crucified and resurrected from the dead, and, and he spent time with his followers after he was raised from the dead, and then he gives them a mission. And he says, I want you guys to go out and make more followers of Jesus or make disciples and teach them to be obedient in everything. And he's going to send them out and do that. And we are going to look at the story of how these followers of Jesus try to figure out, okay, what is the next step in God's will for us as we are trying to be obedient to God. And I think it's going to give us a lot of confidence. I think it's going to give us a lot of peace. I think it's going to give us a lot of hope as we try to figure out God's will for our life. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to uh, start. Heavenly Father, I, I, I pray, God, that tonight you would show us from your word the things that you want us to learn. 
Uh, God, I pray that if there's people here that even tonight, maybe they're feeling paralyzed by a decision they need to make. Maybe it's a big decision like weekend, or a small decision like weekend plans. God, maybe it's a big decision like life direction. God, I pray that whatever it is, that you would meet each and every single one of us here uh, where we need to be met. And God, you would show each of us something personal from your word. And God, that you would just build confidence in us, God, so that we don't have to be torn and we don't have to feel confused. And God, that we can actually walk in confidence and, and just have joy in, as we make decisions in life. And that it can be something that gives life instead of drains it. And I pray all these things through your son's name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so starting in Acts 1.15. During this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. Brothers, he said, the scriptures had to be fulfilled considering Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit, speaking through King David. Judas was one of us and shared in the ministry with us. Judas, if you don't know, he's the guy who betrayed Jesus. Uh, It actually says what happens to him right here in verse 18. It says Judas had bought a field with the money he received for his treachery. This is kind of metal right here. Falling headfirst there, his body split open, spilling out his intestines. That's how he died. The news of his death spread to all the people of Jerusalem, and they gave the place the Aramaic name Akeldama, which means field of blood. So that's how Judas died. Judas is, is not a very popular person in the Bible. That's why he's not on the top 10 baby names of 2022 or of 1950 or of 1250 or of any time. Peter continues. It says, this was written in the book of Psalms where it says, let his home become desolate with no one living in it. It also says, let someone else take his position. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. From the time he was baptized from John until the day he was taken from us. Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So they need to replace Judas' spot and find someone who's going to be an actual leader in the early church as they are trying to accomplish this mission. And Peter knows what they need to do. And he knows because he says this is what the Bible says. And that brings us to our first point. God's known will is known through the Bible. See, the the Bible is God's word to us, and so he's given it to us as a gift, and that we can know him and and know his will for our lives. And again, we have God's known will and his unknown will, and his known will is actually broken up into two uh, different things, his sovereign will and his moral will. I think we have a little graph to, to illustrate this. It says God's sovereign will, so if you guys are curious, it's the plan that God has been working throughout all of eternity. And he's working this so he can receive praise and glory and so that he can uh, have humans know him again. And it's the plan that, that God has told us through the Bible that he created the world and he is working to now save the world from sin through Jesus and to redeem or make everything new that was broken by evil and sin. And, and the Bible, so much of the Bible is just the narrative of how God is doing that. And that's God's sovereign will. There's nothing that's going to get in the way of that. And it's going to happen. And that's the story of what has happened throughout human history. That's God's sovereign will. And then there's his moral will. And that's how God instructs us and says, this is how I designed you to live. And so you have his sovereign and moral will. And the moral will is really the question that we're asking. Like, what's God's will for my life? It's really God's moral will. How does God want me to live? And we start here because as we're asking ourselves the question, what's God's will for our life? How we uncover God's unknown will 
is always dependent on how we follow God's known will. How do we know this? Because God clearly says it in Romans 12 too. It says, do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well-pleasing and perfect. So what God is saying here is that if we want to know God's will, then we shouldn't live how everyone else in the world lives if you're a follower of Jesus. And our lives need to look differently, and we need to be transformed by God renewing our minds. And then we will be able to figure out what God's will is, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So if we want to know what to do, we need to have our minds renewed. And if you're looking uh, for a plan for your life that's good and, and doesn't do evil to you or to others, or you're looking for something that's pleasing and it'll bring joy into your life, or it's perfect, which means you'll be confident that you're on the right path. Like, you can know that by, by going to God's word. And you can know that by being obedient and letting God transform your mind. And he says that if we pattern our lives off this book, we, can't just, or we, we don't just get his known will, but we also get his unknown will as well, which is really amazing. Uh, so what is God's unknown will, or what is God's known will? First and foremost, God's will for your life is that you have a saving relationship with Jesus and make him the Lord of your life. 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4 says this. Uh, can we flip back to that on the slide? Thanks. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That is God's will for us. He wants every single person in the entire world to know him and have a saving relationship with his son Jesus. And I recognize there are people that are coming here from a very big variety of places. Like there are people in here tonight and you're like, I'm not a follower of Jesus. There are people here tonight that are like, I've been following Jesus since I was five years old. And, and I just want to say, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus and you're trying to figure out what does God want for your life, this is like the most important thing right here. God wants that, that you would repent or that you would turn from living a self-directed life and that you would trust Jesus as God and that you need Jesus to save you from your sin and your brokenness and everything in your heart that hurts and everything that you've done wrong and that Jesus can actually take that and he can make you a new person and he can heal you and he can take all those parts of you and change it. And that is what God wants for you because God wants to be your father. God wants to bring you into a, a family with him. God wants to guide you and he wants to be your king and he wants to rule your life. Not out of a sense of like burden and authority, but out of a sense of goodness and love. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're like, man, I don't know what does God want for me. This is the most important decision that you will ever make. This is bigger than who you marry. This is bigger than what your job is. This is bigger than where you live. This is bigger than what car you drive. This is bigger than how many kids you have. This is, this is what God wants for each and every single one of us, first and foremost, that we could know him and have eternal life through his son, Jesus. What else is God's known will? It's God's known will that you wouldn't just have that eternal life, but you'd have a deep relationship with God and you'd have others do the same. It's the mission that Jesus gave Peter and the, the rest of the apostles. It says that you go out and make disciples. And so it's God's will. He says it in his word that we should go out and we should know him and we should walk deeply with God. And we're actually going to talk about that next week. What does it mean to actually know God on a day-to-day -day basis? 
Another thing that God's will is, is that we would live and serve and be a part of a local church. Uh, we talked about this last week. God says that we need to meet together and stir up, each other up and spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So this is just a, a very, very short and brief sampling, but God is very clear. This is what he wants for us. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants us to go out and to love other people and to tell other people about the love that he has for them. And he wants us to have these communities that are loving and good and pleasing. And that's what God wants for us. That's God's will. And it's known. It's not a mystery. It's not a secret. He's not trying to hide it from us. So if we want to know on a big scale, what should my, our lives be about? Or even on a small scale, where do I spend my time and energy and money? Like, there you go. That's it. That's what the Bible says, is that we, we, we do this and we can look at this and we can have confidence. And we can know this is God's will for my life. I think what's hard about that, though, is so often these are not the questions we have. Right? Like, these are not the questions that when we're trying to figure out what's God's will for our life, we want some more specific questions or more specific answers like, should I marry this person? Or should I buy this car? Or should I go to this party that weekend? And we, we want to figure out what's the case for this, what's the answer. But we start with God's known will. Let's take the marriage one. Let's say you're dating someone and you're really trying to figure out, is it God's will for us to get married? Right? You're like, man, I'm, I, I want to figure this out. I'm trying to figure out if we should get married or not. God, what do you want me to do? Like, I, I'm trying to go back and forth and figure this out. And you desperately want to know God's unknown will. If you two say that you're followers of Jesus and you're sleeping together, or you're living together and you're not married, you're not going to be able to see God's will. Why? Because God clearly says this, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. And so if you're constantly giving into passion and constantly giving into lust in your relationship, back to what Romans 12.2 says, you're not living differently from the world. And if you claim to be a follower of Jesus and you're not living differently, you're not going to be able to test and approve what God's will is. You're just not going to be able to figure it out. Because God says, if you want to know what his will is, you need to be transformed in your mind and how you behave. Another example, let's say you're trying to figure out like what job you should take or what city you should live in or you switch jobs and you're like, you're asking God like, am I in the right place? But you're constantly unhappy and you're just very ungrateful for what you have and you're complaining, you're also not going to be able to see God's will. Why is this? Because God says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give everything or give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's really straightforward. This is God's will. And God wants us to be joyful no matter what job we have or how much money we make. And he wants us to pray, and he wants us to be thankful for what we have. And if I'm clearly disobeying that, and I'm constantly acting like I'm not a follower of Jesus, God's not going to reveal to me the his unknown will if I'm not living in obedience to his known will. And, and this may sound harsh, but y'all, God does this because he desires what's good for us. Like, God doesn't do this thinking like, man, I just, I, like, I, I want them to just be unhappy and be in the dark all the time. God's doing this because he gave the, his way of life to us 
as a thing that is good and pleasing and perfect. And so when we want to obey his commands, he does it because he cares about us and he loves us. And he came, Jesus says that I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. God came so that you could have a life that's full of joy, not based off of your circumstances, but because you know God. And the amazing thing is that God wants to know you. But, but if we're constantly treating God like a magic eight ball, or we're constantly like treating God like this genie that should just show us what we should do, but not as our father and not in a relationship with him, he's not going to show us his will because he knows what we need more than anything else is to love him first. Because he's the source of all good. And he's the source of everything that's joyful and everything that's pleasing and everything that's perfect. And if we're disconnected from God by living in sin, nothing else is going to make us happy. There's nothing else that's going to satisfy. And so trying to figure out what my next steps are, if I'm not walking in obedience of knowing God, then we're just not going to be able to know God's unknown will if we're disobeying his known will. If you, if you want an illustration for this, let's say that you're going to go get a haircut, right? And you ask for a specific cut. And instead of cutting your hair, the barber sits down in his chair and he just looks at you and goes, man, I guess I just, I wish I really knew if you wanted your hair colored or not. And you kind of look at him and you're like, what? And he's like, man, I just, I wish I really knew what haircut you wanted next year. And you're like, bro, I, I'm here to get my haircut today. Or he's like, hey, could you pay for like next month's haircut? Like, I need you to do that. And you're like, dude, I'm not paying you anything until you cut my hair, like I asked. And in the same way that the barber isn't doing what you've revealed for him that you want him to do, if we're not doing what, what God has revealed for us that he wants us to do, he's not gonna give us the next steps. He's not gonna give us what else we should do. If we're clearly, clearly ignoring and saying, no, 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 that's great that you told me that, but I don't really wanna listen to that. Or if I'm disobeying what he's clearly told us. And on the flip side, yo, I know that, uh, y'all, yo. That, I know that that's heavy and I know that that's hard, but there is such a freedom that comes from obeying God's known will. There really is. I've, I've been there, like I have lived in rebellion to God and I've been the guy who knows the Bible and chooses not to do it. And I've been the guy who knows what God wants from me but, but doesn't want to walk with him. And can I just tell you, there would be so many times where I'd be making a decision, whether it's big or small, and I would just get so stressed or so anxious about am I doing the right thing, am I living the right way? And whether it was in my friendships or my decisions or just how I spent my time, I would always be kind of be paralyzed. Because I'm just like, man, I, d I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Even though I knew what I was doing was wrong. And it just led to so much confusion and just concern all the time. And it felt like this burden was on me all the time. But I noticed that as I started to follow Jesus and as he started to transform my life, and as I started to look at what's in the Bible and actually put it into practice, he started to transform me, and I started to just have confidence in what I was doing. It's like, I, I know how I'm spending my time is God-honoring because I'm obeying what's in the Bible. And I know these big decisions that I'm making are God-honoring, and suddenly I just was not stressed about them anymore. It's not that they weren't hard, and it's not that I wasn't prone to want to be anxious about them, but it removed so much of the concern that was there. There's just this freedom in being obedient to God's known moral will. And so I just want to say this, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, like, try it out, put it into practice. See, like, 
just, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Try getting to know God and see if he doesn't show up. And if you're here and you are a follower of Jesus and you're not living in obedience to something that you know you need to do, just go out and do it and get some people to help you. But I promise you, it will be so worth it. And I can stand on that because God has promised that, that his words to us are for our good. And so we go out and we want to do it. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. And that brings us then to God's unknown will. Because we were talking about God's known will, and now we're going to talk about God's unknown will. For the rest of the time, we're going to figure out, and how do we answer the question, what is God's unknown will for my life? The amazing thing is, God doesn't just leave us in the dark with this. Uh, he could have just given us this Bible and just been like, all right, like you have everything you need. Go figure it out. The really cool thing is that he actually promises to guide us and lead us through the unknown parts of life. And he promises to be there with us and, and help us to navigate these things. Let's go back to Acts 1, verse 23. So they're trying to figure out, okay, who do we replace Judas with? It says they proposed two candidates. Joseph called Barsabbath, uh, Barsabbas, sorry, also called Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to assume the task of this service and apostleship from which Judas had turned aside to go to his own place. So they've got two options, right? And they're trying to figure out which one God wants them to choose. Like they know the Bible says they need to replace Judas, but they don't know who. And so they have God's unknown will there because they're trying to figure out which one of these two options is God's will for us. And that brings us to our second point. God's unknown will is found through our GPS. And uh, very clearly, I do not mean like your phone GPS, right? Like that's, I don't mean Google Maps, which is better than Apple Maps. True. And I also didn't come up with this acronym, GPS. Uh, but just like a global positioning system helps us know where we are in the world, uh, there are ways that work together to position us of how do I know if I'm in God's will. And so GPS, what does it stand for? It stands for G, gather your people. P, pray. And S, search the scriptures. So G, gather your corner or gather your people. We talked about this last week. What do we mean by this, though? In, in Acts 1, you see the church gathered together to make this decision, right? Like, no one is going off and just saying, I'm going to make my own decision. I'm going to replace Judas on my time in my own way. And so we need to do the same thing as well. Proverbs 12:15 says this, that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And we talked about last week the importance of having people who know your life. Because if you're trying to make a tough decision and you're trying to show up and say, hey, what do I do here? They need to know what's going on in your life to make an informed decision. But if we don't ask for advice, then what the Bible says is that we're being foolish. But if we want to be wise, which we can, we can just listen to advice. And we can ask people, what do you want, for, like, what do you think I should do? What do, you, what do you want me to make? And we don't have to listen to them and everything, but we just ask for advice. And next, you pee, pray. You ask God to guide you in wisdom. This is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, James 1.5. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. <laughs> That's such an amazing thing, right? It's like, man, if I need wisdom, if I need to figure out how I should live my life or where I should go, I can ask God who will give it to me generously, and he won't find fault. So he's not going to sit there and look at me and say, okay, 
Like, you didn't do everything, everything you want or everything right. But he, he does it without finding fault, and he gives it generously, and we can receive wisdom from God through prayer. The thing is, though, we have to ask in faith, and we ask in faith by trusting that God will actually guide us and also trusting that whatever the answer is, that's what God wants us to do. And so we ask God in faith, and we say, God, I'm going to trust you. I might not like the answer, but I'm going to pray about this, and God just starts to guide you. And that leads us to S, you search the scriptures. Psalm 119, 105 says that God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And literally, God's word, you can look for principles in scripture that can guide you through life. And it'll show you what you should do. And you start to read, oh, this is what the Bible says, and this is a principle of how I should live. And it starts to navigate different situations. And it helps you to be able to see where you're going in life and make these decisions. So you have GPS then. You gather your corner, you pray, and you search the scriptures. And the reason why we need this is because, like I mentioned at the beginning of the night, like, we can get very superstitious as we look for God's unknown will. Sometimes we just get a little stitious. But we kind of do these weird things, right? Like, some of you took, that took a minute. I don't know, sometimes we do things like we spill milk in the morning when you're making your cereal, and you look down at the milk spill, and it's like, that looks like a house. I was thinking about buying a house today. House? House. I think I'm supposed to buy a house. Right? Or like you go to someone's retirement party at your office, and you get the slice of the cake that has the P in happy retirement, and you're like, P, I was thinking about moving to Phoenix. Phoenix starts with a P, not an F. <laughs> and you just sit there and you're like, P, Phoenix. Coincidence? I think not. And we start to do this like thing where we just start to look for things in our lives where we try to figure out like through these crazy signs, right? And we, we laugh at this and we think it's funny, but if we're honest with ourselves, we do it often if we're not walking in confidence in God's will. Uh, the crazy thing is, though, what we're doing, if we're looking for our feelings, or if we're looking for those signs, what we're really doing is just seeking what we want. There's this thing called confirmation bias. It's the fact that what you want starts to dictate what you see in the world around you. And so... We start to look for data in the world that validates exactly what we want to hear. Because we know what we want, and that's called confirmation bias. And feelings, right, like on the feeling side of things, look, feelings are always real, but they are not always reliable. They are always real, but they are not always reliable. We cannot always trust our feelings. I did not feel good about either of my major career changes all the time. Right, like I didn't walk into that thinking, man, I feel 100% good about this all the time. It was kind of scary. It's like, man, this is very different than what I thought I would be doing. But I'm really, really glad that I didn't trust my feelings in that moment. But instead, I trusted what God's word says. And I trusted what God had shown me through prayer. And I trusted the other people that, that knew me and said, Nick, we think you're making a smart choice. We think you're making a wise decision. And... I think the reason why we get like this, why we just want a sign or we just want feelings is because we, we want easy answers if we're honest with ourselves, right? Like I just, I kind of just want someone to tell me. 
And we know this, like, going through this GPS thing, like, that's going to be time, and that's going to be difficult, and it, it takes effort to pray and to go to God's word. And someone could tell me something that I don't want to hear, and it goes against what I want. And we all want easy answers, but so often God does not make his answers easy. But he does make them good. And all of God's answers are good and for our best, and they're well-pleasing and they're perfect. And so we have to ask ourselves, and we have to ask other people, have other people ask us the hard questions, right? We have to have people sort us through these things. If you're curious, like, okay, I need some of these hard questions that you can take to the Bible or that you can pray through or that you can have your friends ask you, here's some questions that were given to me that have been a huge blessing for me as I'm trying to make decisions. Question number one, will this help me know God more? Right, if God is the source of all good, then that could, should probably be our first question. Uh, the verse there that's listed, 1 Corinthians 6, 12, says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. In following Jesus, there is so much freedom, right? There's a, a lot of gray areas that God has not told us exactly what to do, and it's kind of fun. We can do a lot of different things, but, but not everything is beneficial for us to know God better. Question number two says, will this help others know God? That verse there says, be careful that this liberty of yours does not become a hindrance to the weak. You, you might be able to do something, right? You might have freedom to do it. But if it's a hindrance to someone else and causes them to sin and not walk closely with God, you're not going to want to do that because you're taking someone else's joy and ability to experience God good, God's goodness away from them. And it might ruin your ability to share the gospel with someone if you do that thing. Question three, is it a cover-up for evil? Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom in following Christ as an opportunity to indulge your flesh, but through love serve one another. And this is where we ask the question that kind of gets down in our hearts. It's like, why do I actually want this? Right, like, why do I actually want this? Am I doing this for myself, for selfish gain, or am I doing this because I love other people and I love God? Question four, would Jesus do this? 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, follow my example. Paul's talking as, as he follows the example of Christ. It, we can just ask ourselves the question, if Jesus was here today, in this moment physically, would he do this? Final question, will this glorify God? The Bible tells us that whatever we eat or whatever we drink or whatever we do, do it all for the glory of God. And so we bring these questions to people into God's word and prayer and you figure it out. And if you want a practical, if we're, if we're trying to figure out, okay, how does this work? Let's say, we'll, we'll put this to the test. Let's say you're trying to figure out whether or not you should get drunk at your buddy's birthday party, right? God's will is that we would be sober-minded. So if you are a follower of Jesus, the answer to that question is no. I should not get drunk. But let's say the question is, should you drink at your friend's wedding? Not to get drunk, but to celebrate. I don't know, right? Will it help you know God more? Is there a friend there that struggles with alcohol? Are you doing it because deep down you want to cope with something painful? Like, you have to ask yourself the questions. And you have to figure out in that moment, what does God want you to do? And it might not even be the same in two situations that look very similar. And it might not even be the same between two different people who are both followers of Jesus. But we have to go through and ask ourselves these questions. Another one, let's say this Halloween your, your friends are going to go watch a horror movie and you're like, should I do this? I, I don't know. Right? Like, I, I, 
you might get to share the gospel with someone. You might get to, to be with someone and you might get to have a great conversation that they just really needed to get something off their chest and you get the opportunity to be a good friend to someone because you went with them and that's a good thing. But also maybe watching that movie might not glorify God and there might be something in it that causes you to sin. And so you have to figure out for yourself, should I go and watch this movie? Another one, should you, should you buy a rental property and rent it out? I have no idea, right? Like there's, we have to figure these things out. Are you doing it so you can make more money and be generous and serve God and take care of your family? That's awesome. Do that. That was funny, I guess. Are you doing it because secretly you just want more money and you're doing it because you're greedy and it's a cover up for evil? Like that is entirely between you and God and your people. You have to figure all these things out. And the great thing is, though, that when we make decisions this way, when we're free from making decisions based off feelings, we're free to feel our feelings. Like, let's go back to that relationship scenario. Let's say you're really trying to figure out if you should ask a girl out, right? And you're like, man, I, I, I want to ask her out, but I'm not sure. So you get your corner together and you ask them, like, hey, do you think that this girl would make a good spouse? Or then you, you go and you pray about it together. And you go to God's word and you think, what are the principles that I'm trying to look for to find a godly spouse? And you figure this out. And then the great thing is that if you're excited and you just think that she's beautiful and you just want to spend time with her and you're like, man, I get really excited about this, then you're free to feel your feelings. Because you know that you're walking in obedience to God's word. And you can be confident in that. And you know that your feelings aren't leading you astray because you've, you've done the work to figure out that this is a good thing. And so you can feel your feelings and get excited about it. And you know that you're being led in God's will. Or let's say on the job front, let's say you want to take a different job and you're really excited about serving God in that way. Maybe like Grant talked about in his work talk a couple weeks ago. And, and you want to use the surplus money to take care of people and be wise and save for the future and honor God, then go for it. Like, you can be excited about things. You can, you can have fun. You can do this. You can celebrate your choices when you know that you're walking in confidence in God's will. And everything, we know this, right? Everything is not going to be joyful and exciting. But there's such a, a peace that comes when we're, we're following God. And we don't have to be ruled by feelings or by superstition. It just builds a godly confidence. Acts 1, do you guys want to know how the church decides on what leader they're choosing? They actually don't. They don't make the decision themselves. Acts one twenty six says this. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. They rolled some dice. Like, that's how they made the decision. And it, it's such a good example, though, of the freedom that we have in following Jesus. Like, if we have followed God's known will, and we seek his unknown will, so often there is not a right or wrong answer. There's just a right or left answer. And there's... So much ability, we get to choose if we want to. Or in this situation, they just, well, we got good options. We can leave it up to God. And they do. And it ends up being great because they're just trusting God either way. Whether they make the decision or not, they've trusted God with the decision. Side note, guys, don't ask a girl out because you roll dice, right? Like, don't do that. I'm helping you out, fellas. You're, don't, don't do that. Girls, I got your back, right? None of you want that. Uh, I've got some friends that I'd like to introduce you guys to. 
this is Jim and Swan Bates. Uh, they go to my church. They're some new friends of mine. Uh, Jim and Swan are 95 years old. And they have been married for 75 years. Long time. And I was sitting with them and chatting with them and listening to their life story. And they were telling me about how they got married at 20. And Jim was in the Marines and then he was a pilot. And they started several companies together. And some of those worked well and some of those failed. And they've lived in different states. And they've lived in different countries. And they have really just been all over. And I was just kind of curious. Like, I was like, man, Jim, Swan, like, how did you guys know what you were doing? In all of those decisions, you guys have been everywhere and done so many different things. How did you know? And Swan looked at me, and this little 95-year-old woman looked at me with her bright blue eyes. And she said, listen, dear, you don't. And she said, but you trust God, and you walk in his word, and you love others, and you pray like crazy. And he will guide you and be faithful to you and take care of you all the days of your life. And that's the kind of life I think we all want. To where they were able to look back at a life of 95 years and say with confidence that God had led them and guided them and that they didn't have regrets when they followed God. And not everything turned out well for them, right? But they're just confident because they knew that they were following God and they weren't afraid when things went wrong because they knew that they were walking in God's will and they knew that God loved them and cared for them. And I think that's what we want, to walk in God's will. And, and I hope that God's word tonight has brought you hope and excitement about the future and confidence in making decisions. It really has for me as I've been preparing this. It's made me just even more excited to continue to trust God. But I recognize that there's some people, maybe there's a lot of people in this room where you listen to something like this and you're like, I've blown it. You're like, I, I'm not living in God's will. And you feel like your shot is gone, and you feel like because of relationships that you've ruined, or because of opportunities that you feel that you've messed up, or because of choices you've made, you think that God's will for you is ruined. And I just want to be someone who would say that the beautiful thing about following Jesus is that you are never too far gone. And that there is no decision that you can make that can permanently remove you from God's will for your life. And that can permanently take you away from being able to get back to God's will, whether his known or unknown will. And there is, it doesn't matter the choices you've made. It doesn't matter the relationships that you've ruined. God is a God who makes all things new. And he can do that with you. And so if you're sitting here and you're like feeling really guilty and beat up, I would just pray that you get to experience freedom from God and hope. And know that God is a good God who loves you. And know that you are never too far off to start a relationship with Jesus. And if you've begun to follow Jesus, you are never too far away to repent and turn back to Jesus. Because he is a loving and merciful God. And he wants every single one of you in here to know him and walk in his will. Because he loves you and he cares about you and he's crazy about you. And how do we know this? Because Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I'm just grateful that you love us. And God, I'm grateful that you have plans 
for our good and for our benefit, and you don't want to harm us, God, but your will is good and pleasing and perfect. And God, I pray that if there's someone in this room who doubts that, whether they are a follower of you or not, God, I pray that, that you would just give them the ability to see how much you love them and to see that you are a good father and that you care about them so deeply. And God, I pray that just as we are navigating life and we're making decisions, God, I pray that we would have the ability to have undivided hearts as we're about to sing. And God, I pray that, uh, that these, our hearts would be focused on just wanting to know your will and wanting to walk in obedience of it. God, not because we want good things from you, but God, because we want to know you. And so God, I pray that as we sing and as we reflect, God, just show us what you want us to do, God. If there's someone in here who realizes that they're not living in a known will, God, and they just need to get that off their chest, God, I pray that they confess that to you. And God, if there's someone in this room who is anxious or concerned about making a big decision, God, help us to be a group of people that encourage them towards making wise choices, God, but also help them feel the freedom that they can have in making choices depending on your will. And so, God, I pray that in all things we would trust you and just believe that you are who you say that you are and you can do what you say that you will do. And God, we love you and we pray all these things through your son's name, Jesus. Amen.